in my clinic, I combine. I combine between scalp acupuncture and body acupuncture. So my idea of doing so is, okay, if I do the scalp acupuncture, I'm stimulating the brain. And if I'm doing body acupuncture, I'm stimulating the peripheral nerve system. So you have a combination between the central nerve system and the peripheral nerve system. And that's working through the musculoskeletal system. When you do scalp acupuncture, it's like opening the lock. Open the lock with scalp acupuncture and then do the physical exercise. And then it's like walking through the door and getting a better outcome. Welcome to Pacific Rim College Radio, a podcast sharing stories and wisdom from experts in the fields of holistic wellness and sustainable living. I am your host, Todd Howard, coming to you from Raven Hill Herb Farm, a permaculture design campus of Pacific Rim College in Victoria, British Columbia. As the show's guests demonstrate, by doing small acts to embrace more mindful living, we can positively impact our communities. My guest in this episode is a Chinese medicine therapist and leading Israeli specialist who uses acupuncture for neurological rehabilitation. David Bombson studied under Dr. Toshikatsu Yamamoto, the discoverer of Yamamoto New Scalp Acupuncture. David is the founder of the Pnema Center, which is the largest community clinic in Israel for integrative Chinese medicine, combining classical Chinese medicine and Yamamoto New Scalp Acupuncture with Western medicine. In this episode, we look at the three lineages of scalp acupuncture and the history of the Yamamoto lineage that he teaches and practices. We discuss the physiological mechanisms of scalp acupuncture and how David uses it to treat an array of neurological conditions, often in conjunction with body acupuncture and exercise. David is the author of Clinical Handbook of Yamamoto New Scalp Acupuncture, and we explore the writing of this book and the unique gift he had of working alongside his father to bring the book, published by Singing Dragon, to fruition. It was a challenging and immensely rewarding experience that brings to practitioners new depth of understanding of the clinical application of scalp acupuncture. As an authority on Yamamoto New Scalp Acupuncture, David lectures around the world and has presented at Pacific Rim College and hopefully will do so again. This interview can be enjoyed as an introduction to scalp acupuncture and a deeper dive for those already experienced. Please enjoy this episode of Pacific Rim College Radio with David Bomson. David, welcome to Pacific Rim College Radio. Thank you, Todd, for having me. <laughs> it's great to have you. It's good to finally connect with you face-to-face -face anyway. It's been a number of years that we've been connecting via email. And thank you for reaching out most recently. So I could set up this interview with you. I think we're going to have a great conversation. Tell me a bit about the work that you do primarily in acupuncture with neurology. For the last uh, about 10 years, I've been working in one of the rehabilitation departments in uh, Israel, uh, Haifa in Bnezion Hospital in the rehabilitation department, where there we actually combine uh, acupuncture, uh, scalp, mainly scalp acupuncture, in the first years of scalp acupuncture with uh, with just the manual therapy or uh, with the physiotherapy, occupational therapy, combining together and actually getting great results. And uh, it started out with stroke patients, and then it just moved to multiple sclerosis patients, MS patients, and it works. Uh, it's kind of very interesting. Uh, to see the effects of the scalp acupuncture 
in treating uh, the patients there because we get a variety of patients, even patients that they don't have any diagnosis or any idea why they're suffering from some neurological disorder, but they they have this problem in it, uh, even with no diagnosis. And in those cases, we actually see that uh, in general, scalp acupuncture with even general body acupuncture gives them good results. Uh, we also there are doing ingoing uh, clinical research on the effects of uh, the scalp acupuncture. The main, uh, there's different types of scalp acupuncture. The which I've been using in the first years was uh, mainly YNSA, which is Yamamoto new scalp acupuncture. And then uh, recent, in the last about two, two, three years, I started to combine also Zhu style and even a bit prior to that, I was using uh, Giao style as well. And actually just combining the three styles together and actually getting very good results of patients. So that's part of the treatments that I'm using in uh, the rehabilitation. Also in the clinic, a lot of times, in the clinic, it's mainly I see the patients that are uh, post-stroke, for example, after they've finished re going the, uh, rehabilitation and then it's mainly treating the pain disorders it could be migraines uh, and just any any musculoskeletal pain or even uh, neuro, neuro, neuropathy and etc let's talk a bit about scalp acupuncture if you don't mind you mentioned the juice style the jowl style and then yamamoto new scalp acupuncture for a lot of our listeners all of those might be unfamiliar terms what is kind of the general premise behind scalp acupuncture and how do each of these styles differ? So the main, in about the 60s to about the 70s, there was a upcoming of the, the Chinese scalp acupuncture. So there's in the, mo, the major contributors to the development of the, the Chinese scalp acupuncture are Zhu and uh, Jiao. Jiao is actually a very, very simple style, and that's maybe the first uh, scalp acupuncture that was ever used. And I won't say first ever used, but it was a very uh, easy, uh, very easy uh, style to adapt into the Western world because a lot of the terminology or the West, Western terminology and the, the understanding of the locations of the brain also, uh, the, the locations of the zones that are needled are actually uh, matching the, the homunculus. Those were the first lines. So it's very, very westernized, even in the terminology. And in those years, what was happening in the uh, Giao style, that a lot of the areas that are needled actually match the areas of the anatomy, neuroanatomy of the brain, for example, the sensory or the motor cortex areas of the homunculus actually match the area of needling in the brain. You have the areas of speech, you have the areas of uh, uh, vision, auditory, and the actual auditory regions, and they're all in the same area where they're meant to be areas in the brain. So that's the idea of them matching. So that's one style. So that was actually, Jiao is known as the father founder of the scalp acupuncture. And the rest of the styles just uh, branched out from that. 
before you go on to the other styles, can you describe what the homunculus is? The, the homunculus is actually the, ki- the area in the brain that it's kind of the map of the human body. You call it a homunculus because it's like a, like kind of a monster. You have a big hand to a small head. You have the different homunculus. You have the sensory and the motor, but it's actually the mapping of the musculoskeletal system, the sensory, and the, the motor areas in the brain. So it's, they call it a homunculus because it's like a, like a creature. Right. And this, if I'm not mistaken, is kind of superior to the earlobe running up to the crown of the head. Is that right? Uh, kind of, if you have the acupuncture points, it goes up from due 20 for the, yeah, it's running right around the sides of the, around the motor. It has three lines. It goes from about the vertex of the head and going down to what, to most probably to the area of the zygomatic bone around about the area just uh, where the hair, the sideburn, the zygomatic bone meet. Okay. And from that, it goes parallel. Then you have do what is called do 20. Then you have do 21, which is the same line, which is parallel to that line. The posterior line is more the uh, sensory and the anterior line is more the motor function. And so the homunculus in general, where, wherever they lie on the body, whether that's on the palm of the hand or on the ear for ear acupuncture, it's basically a map that represents the entire body and a much smaller Yeah, it's the somo, somatotop. It's a representative of the body in the area of the, in the brain. Okay, great. Thank you for clarifying that. So then we have, uh, that's Gial style. And because, like I said, because Gial style is so, uh, it went, as, the, as the understanding more of the brain developed and also Gial style developed more. So it's kind of they uh, developed together. But you could say the more understanding ahead of the, the human brain, the more understanding of what they can do with the Chinese scalp acupuncture. So that, that's one style. And then there's another contributor, is which is a Zhu style, where Zhu style also has these areas that match the areas of the brain, but he also has in his idea uh, Chinese medicine theory. He has uh, the the burners. You have the upper burner, middle burner, and lower burner, and then you're gonna you already already can start combining Chinese theory into this kind of microsystem. It's more like becoming more of a microsystem. For example, if a patient has a stroke, for example, so you can needle the area and he has has a plagia of the hand, for example, let's say the left hand, then you can needle the area of the left hand in the GL style on the right side, because it's contralateral. But in in Jew style, what is also understandable is say, okay, we have a stroke. We have a lack of blood flow. So let's see. And we, when we do the diagnosis, we see that the upper GL and the heart, for example, or the lungs are not pumping the chi and the blood. So if the chi and the blood are not pumping correctly, then we're not going to get the, the areas are not going to go back to function because we have a blood or chi stagnation. So the idea is that, okay, so you, so needle, you combine in that method, you combine certain 
the needle the upper GL to get the blood again pumping and the heart pumping. And then you have areas of the liver, the lower extremities, you have the body, the musculoskeletal system, any system. So it's actually a combination between Western understanding of the brain, also uh, Chinese medicine theory. So that's the uh, GL style. And then coming to Dr. Yamamoto, which actually uh, it's some kind of more of a new, newer style, uh, Jiao and Shunfa and Jiao style, Zhu style and Jiao style are actually uh, Chinese. And they were, uh, let's say their works were first published in the 1970s. And Dr. Yamamoto, who's the father founder of uh, Dr. Tushikatsu Yamamoto, who's the father founder or the developer of the wine essay, Yamamoto New Style, Yamamoto New Scalp Acupuncture Style. It's more of a modern technique, not too modern, so only three years later. But he actually, because his system is more based on a microsystem or somatotops, or like uh, reflections of the body in different areas of the scalp that not necessarily match the anatomy of the brain. So you have different maps, you have, uh, uh and there you have also and then you also in his style you have just areas that let's say i have an area for the head the cervical spine area of the hand the area of the thoracic spine lumbar spine so you have that in the annie's map and it's all spread out through the the hairline also the needling so you, that's one of these somatotops or microsystems and then he has now when i speak to microsystem i'm speaking the same idea as hand acupuncture, auricle acupuncture, nasal acupuncture, all these microsystems for himself, abdomen acupuncture. And then he also has what branched out from those from those eight points, which we call the basic points. You have points that also affect the channels and the internal organs, the brain points and the sensory points. So you have this whole mic, different types of uh, systems in this whole big system of Yamamoto and he called it new scalp acupuncture uh, just to uh, say it's a, a different system from the scalp the modern from the Chinese scalp acupuncture and with years it became Yamamoto the new scalp acupuncture like the Y that's oh yeah so it's very much different from the uh, acupuncture now Yamamoto's style is also very very different because needling technique is a lot different than the, than the Chinese. If the Chinese scalp acupuncture, what is necessary is to thread through the, the needles being threaded through the areas of the scalp, just be below the subcutaneous tissue between the scalp and the skull itself and manipulate it. And in some way you manipulate in the fascia or the connective tissue, which is causing a which is giving sensory stimuli towards the brain, which is causing a motor function afterwards. And your scalp acupuncture is actually just areas or zones, and you just got a needle, just like a regular needle in. The point is inserted, and that's it. And there's no manipulation necessary, because what happens, what Yamamoto says, that when you move in anywhere, your foot, your face, you twitch in, your face muscles constitute constant you move it so that's actually manipulating the needles and getting the effect you want and again installation on the needles and the fascia and the connective tissue 
David, when you're doing treatments with any of these forms of scalp acupuncture, are you working solely on the scalp or are you also doing body points as well? When I when I start when I started out uh, working in a working in the rehabilitation department, also a lot of time in my clinic I combine I combine between scalp acupuncture and uh, body acupuncture. So my idea of doing so is okay if I do the scalp acupuncture I'm somewhat stimulating the brain, and if I'm doing uh, body acupuncture I'm stimulating the peripheral nerve system. So you have a combination between the central nerve system and the peripheral nerve system, and that's working through the musculoskeletal system. That was in my clinic. Now in my clinic, because I don't only see patients that are suffering from pain disorders or neurological disorders, also from internal diseases or channel problems, which are due to the Chinese medicine theory, then there I can sometimes do the body acupuncture and then just use mainly YNSA as a, a bar just for a symptomatic treatment the patient walks in. He has a headache that moment or uh, back pain that moment, but it's not chronic or anything like that. So I'll use it. But in the hospital, because the idea of combining uh, when you when you work in a rehabilitation, you want to stimulate the brain or stimulate, stimulate the nerve system as, as much as possible, basically. And actually, if you think about it, that let's take a, a stroke patient for uh, for example, that a certain area in the brain is being damaged, and then you can you can look at it as if the the brain looks at everything like a map, then the the map in that area becomes very very faded, and if it's like the map is the idea is faded away, you're not going to get the motor function out because that area has been damaged. So the idea is. Even in physiotherapy, in uh, physiotherapy, occupational therapy, when they do their exercises, by doing their exercises, you actually cause in that map to reappear again or clear off or uh, renovate kind of uh, that map or re-sketch out the drawing of the brain. So the brain starts seeing the picture clearly and then getting that motor function back. So the idea was when I was working in the hospital was actually to combine scalp acupuncture and have its advantages of, first of all, uh, Yamamoto style by needling the points on the scalp in some way, understanding that now we got some kind of stimulation going on in the central nerve system, in the areas of the brain. And then they can go do the physiotherapy and by doing the physiotherapy, it's another sensory stimuli coming from the peripheral nerve system and then stimulating the brain in some manner. So you're actually combining the two together and you're getting actually, it's like saying one plus one is two and a half instead of saying that each one uh, as a separate unit. So in the first years, when I was working in the hospital, that's what we are, we are trying to achieve and combine. And we saw a lot of... Uh, I heard, I like, uh, I heard once Dr. Zhu, who's the developer of the Zhu cell, he said that uh, when you do scalp acupuncture, it's like opening the lock. And to walk through the door is doing doing, which is actually the Chinese exercise. So you want to actually open the lock with scalp acupuncture and, that, and then do the physical exercise. And then it's like walking through the door and getting a, a better outcome. So... 
a lot of times in the rehabilitation, I can see the physiotherapist say to me, look, we need to, first of all, get this patient a lot more concentrated in his daily workout. So I could do certain points that are making him a bit more concentrated, a lot more aware of one side of the body. And then even the physio, I'm getting a, then the objective uh, feedback from the physiotherapist is saying, look, I can see he's doing the, the movement or the exercise a lot better. And also they see that they, with the scalp acupuncture of the needles inserted, even their daily workout is prolonged by about 15%. So you add actually 15 to 30%. They, if they, after 10 minutes, they were tired. Now you're looking after about 15 minutes or 20, 15 minutes, they still can do the exercise. So you're getting a better outcome in the physiotherapy and occupational therapy. And that's what we try to do was combine uh, two together. So just from uh, one scalp acupuncture treatment, you're seeing 15 to 30% increase in longevity of exercise. Yep. Wow. That's crazy. And, and then, uh, the idea is it's like, uh, in that particular typical session, they'll get more out of the session, but then it's not that they'll have the improvement, the improvement will go up. It's like going two steps forward in rehabilitation and then coming about sometimes going two steps forward and then come 1.75 uh, steps back one point. So you always have that slowly, slowly, uh, growing with a lot of the patients in, uh, neurological, uh, disorders. So that's one term, which we found a, a great combination in the rehabilitation, but I also found myself in the rehabilitation, not only using scalp acupuncture, in some cases that due to, let's say, a stroke, then they could have, uh, they could have uh, urinary problems or they can have, uh, the bowels are not functioning properly or because they're not, they seated or lying down all the day. So they could have constipation. And there in those cases, I actually combine scalp acupuncture with body acupuncture to get the, his bowels moving again, or if uh, with the urinary disorders help to, with catheter, I think the name is catheter. The catheter, the yes. Yeah. So if, or even helping those disorders of getting them out of with, to stop the catheter so they can uh, give urine uh, normally. We also use that a lot in the scalp acupuncture, not a scalp, I mean also body acupuncture, because there's actually very good protocols for doing that, uh, that urologists, Chinese urologists have come up with a very, very useful. So I actually combine the two together in those cases. So now, in the aspect or in the case of auricular acupuncture, when it is combined with body acupuncture, often, or not often, but occasionally there's electrical stimulation with auricular and body acupuncture. Are you doing any electrical stimulation with scalp acupuncture? Uh, rarely, very rarely. I actually, I manipulate the needles on my own if necessary. And the, like I said, the main style that I've been using in the hospital is uh, YNSA. So that is not necessary to uh, manipulate the needles. But in the clinic, I, I, I rarely manipulate the needles in the scalp with electroacupuncture, but if I do body, 
I more use the electric stimulation on the body acupuncture okay. and less on the scalp. Now, if you have a patient coming in who has suffered a stroke and let's say it's a chronic condition many years old, are you able through just a few sessions or even one session of scalp acupuncture to get results? Uh, and not, not necessarily in a, uh, one, I like to say everyone has a different constitution. This always puzzles me. How come there are patients that respond very well and very fast? And then you have these patients that uh, takes time to start seeing results. And it could be a session of, uh, it could be a couple of sessions just to start seeing uh, small changes. Like if it's dealing with pain, if they, a lot of them have pain due to spasticity, then you get an immediate result and you see the pain actually uh, subside and you can get improvement already in the first clinic. But if you're looking at a motor function, that's gonna take time. They might respond in the uh, in the first session. They might. I will see some type of response because I want to see some type of response, even if it's very very small, to know that I've inserted the needles correctly. And then I know there's going to be a response. It's like uh, ripples in the pond that'll continue to ripple. And then as time goes, the response gets grows and becomes bigger and bigger. But uh, like I said, some patients respond immediately, some a lot less. And then I'm looking for the fine tuning to see there's a response. So there's always going to be some type of response. Yeah. What about in the case of a chronic neuropathy? What are the results that you get in treating a recalcitrant condition? So in neuropathy, actually in the first session uh, already, you see some uh, the pain will subside a bit or the 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 feeling what they feel in that moment because it could be a tingling feeling pins and needles it could be a shock shocking feeling it could be it could be any type of feeling now i like to also say this neuropathy it could be a central nerve system neuropathy due to the central nerve system this problem or it could be a peripheral neuropathy but actually in both cases you always see some about by 15 to 10% at an average, a minimum I'll see in the first session. But what happens, it goes back and it's like pain back and forth. And over a session, about eight sessions, it'll start uh, decreasing and decreasing and decreasing. Uh, and you see about an improvement of a 50%. It's difficult, uh, depends how long uh, it's been since they came into the treatment. But I always say they have a 10-year uh, window. That means up to about 10 years, you can get it to change. After 10 years that uh, they have the neuropathy, it's a bit more difficult to get it some kind of change. Oh, uh, less, make it less lessen. But also in these cases, it's not only given acupuncture, it's sometimes also recommended to take uh, supplements like see if they have maybe a B12 deficiency, if they have uh, glutathione, give them antioxidants. A lot of times I tell them to take uh, omega-3, uh, all these fish oils that might uh, accumulate, help with the nerve system because you've got to think that the myelin, myelin or the nerves are covered by uh, some kind of uh, 
fat. They need the, the fat for it to actually accumulate and respond well. So you actually want to, so that's why fish oil has a very good effect on uh, these uh, patients. Or glutathione, which is an antioxidant on the patient as well. So, or B, B complex uh, supplements. And it actually also helps in the treatment and also helping the getting the stress down. Stress levels down also has a, a major effect on the patient. But the idea is in neuropathy, you have some damage to, to the nerve. The nerve's been damaged somewhere around its pathway. If you're speaking about peripheral uh, neuropathy and you have to actually uh, get it to start functioning again uh, and get it back to uh, as close as possible to being the, uh, it's getting its function back. So then again, it's, I'm looking at the same idea that the, the map is kind of blurry and you have to start filling in the gaps and drawing out the map again so it become a lot more clear so the body will respond to it. Now the nerve system, any type of damage to the nerve system, it depends what area has been damaged on the nerve, it can... Uh, Re, rebuild itself about a millimeter a day. So that's why I'm saying up to 10 years, you can get it. 10 years, you've got, if you have a millimeter a day, if you tie 10 years times 365 days, you actually can get the nerve back to itself. That's why they say you have a window of about 10 years to actually get the neuropathy down. Now, neuropathy, a lot of times due to chemotherapy, it's also uh, a lot of times when neuropathy appears after chemotherapy, they know exactly what, what that it was caused by the chemotherapy because a lot of times they know that the precise time the patient knows that it started and the precise session that he had of chemotherapy that it started. In those cases, acupuncture, if you start acupuncture in a very, very, uh, with the change of the course of the chemotherapy, because that's what they a lot of times they do, they change the course of chemotherapy to get the neuropathy down. And at the same time, if you start your acupuncture at the same time, you can actually get it that sometimes through the whole sessions of the chemotherapy, they won't develop neuropathy. And even when they come out of the uh, chemotherapy or stop, they, they finish that chemotherapy, you can actually, after very, very short treatments, maybe over about five weeks, even less than five weeks, get the neuropathy to completely disappear. A lot of times there, it's pins and needles, uh, numbness, and all that. Now, for a lot of microsystems, we can use those to treat any condition, any disorder, any imbalance in the body. Is that the same for scalp acupuncture, or is it primarily for neurological conditions? The main idea of uh, scalp acupuncture is mainly for uh, pain and uh, neurolo neuro neurological uh, disorders. But I've actually had treatments using mainly Yamamoto for even for allergies, because I've actually seen that Yamamoto style uh, from my practice. Uh, also, I can use it for... Uh, Disorders that are not only uh, neurological, even though I don't, when a patient walks to my clinic and he has a, doesn't have a neurological disorder, it's not my, like the first instrument I think of using. But every now and then when the system is so, so, so very easy to use and 
could be that a, a patient walks into the clinic and that it's the end of the day and I'm kind of tired and I want to give the maximum treatment as possible. But I see that my concentration is off and I, I'm not managing to get a proper diagnosis through the pulse or even for the body palpation if necessary. Then the palpation of Yamamoto is very easy. And this patient could be a patient with allergies and of construction of the nose. And then I just do the YNSA and immediately he responds to it. He, his nose kind of opens, the sinuses open. Uh, or, so even for those problems, it's very, very useful. I have a protocol that I use for uh, women at the first trimester that are suffering using Yamamoto, that they're using, that have a lot of nausea and this vomiting and this uh, weakness and the heartburn. So I have a protocol that I, I, I always use on these patients and I even teach them to do it for themselves, which is use scalp acupuncture. It could be a massaging like the E-point, which is up here. I mean, just above the eyebrow, eyebrows in the superciliary region between gallbladder 14 to the inner part of the glabella. And that actually treats a thoracic spine, thoracic area. So it helps for the heartburn or calms the heartburn down. Or that's one of the points I could uh, recommend him to massage or the spouse, teach them, spouse to massage it, those points. Or uh, a point just be between the eyebrows, which is just below the yin tang acupuncture point and the nasal bridge, which has an effect on the throat so it can stop the vomiting. So th that these are points or protocol that I teach them to do. So I see it also as uh, not necessarily for neurological disorders. And also I've seen blood pressure. I've managed to drop blood pressure with uh, scalp acupuncture, prolactin levels to females that have a high prolactin levels and had difficulty getting pregnant. And internal, uh, and internal disorders as well. Could be constipation, like I said, could be constipation, could be a uh, fatty liver. I, I don't do it too much, but when I do it, then I just continue and I see the results as well. So Yamamoto scalp acupuncture is very, very useful also for internal disorders. When it comes to neuropathies, what have been some of the most incredible results that you've seen? I have actually uh, Yamamoto. In Yamamoto style, is point, is, he has microsystems that are located on the scalp. And what was uh, very, very interesting, uh, I had a patient that she had neuropathy in, a, in a, actually on a, on a heel of her foot and around the toes on the foot. And he had this constant, and she always felt that her fingers were very, very tight. The toes were very, very tight. And like her, like her foot was all day in a bucket of water. And she kept telling me, that every time she had this feeling, she actually found a point around kidney three and she used to massage a point and it used to go away for about, a, for about a few hours and then come back. And at that time, uh, so I tried to massage or do even needle kidney three, but I wasn't getting the results. Now at that time, uh, a colleague of mine actually came back from Japan and said to me, look, Yamamoto has a new microsystem that he's using around the ankle, around the malleus of the malleus area. But I 
and then she said to me, I don't know exactly what he was doing there. He never explained it. Uh, I only understand that the lateral malleolus treats the, the musculoskeletal system and the medial malleolus area treats the internal organs. That was the information I received from her. So I actually said, okay, to understand how to use uh, the internal uh, the internal organs, I'm not going to see the results immediately, so I don't exactly know what I'm doing. So I'm not. I'm just going to leave that and put it aside. And I was playing around with the lateral malleolus. And lateral malleolus, I thought, okay, a patient with a neck pain, I needle the area of the malleolus in a certain area, and I started seeing that it was working. But it wasn't. I wasn't sure what I was looking for in some cases. So I kind of, after about a while, just left it and said, and left it alone. And actually, uh, at that period of time, we looked at about six years ago, I actually, uh, that's when I started traveling abroad to give seminars and workshops. And actually the first workshop I was given was actually in, uh, in uh, Toronto in the uh, eight branches uh, school and we invited there to teach and then we uh, they're showing us around the a colleague there by the name of Renee we, we were in contact with her and she organized a seminar she took me through showed us the school and we were just amazed with the school and then I actually and I stumbled onto a, a map of, of a microsystem of uh, which was called ankle and uh, wrist acupuncture that was the first I've ever heard of ankle and wrist acupuncture. And I kind of looked at it. And then I said, maybe this is the key to what I'm looking for. And then uh, what happens after the seminar, when I got back to uh, back to Israel, I, I started reading more deeper into this ankle uh, and wrist acupuncture. And I said, I'm going to take the same idea of the wrist and ankle acupuncture. So now I understand. What Yamamoto meant that the medial malleolus treats the anterior body, the lateral malleolus treats the posterior body. And let's start seeing how this functions and how, how it has a use on this patient. I, was, I still knew I'm, I'm going to come to the neuropathy, how I came to it with that specific patient. And actually for about three months, I decided I'm only needle in this, these areas of the malleolus. I'm taking the same theory of uh, the ankle and wrist, but the, the zones of needling will be around the malleolus, the inferior malleolus area. And I was getting these amazing results. It could be patients suffering immediately, uh, back pain, neck pain, ear disorders at the same moment, at acute, when they walk into the clinic with those symptoms, could be heartburn or chest problems. And then, then actually that patient that I haven't seen her for about a year, two years, she contacted me again, said, Look, maybe you have something that came up for this neuropathy. I said, look, I have the system. I'm playing with it. Come, come, let's let's see how it works on your neuropathy with the same idea of the theory. Because it's kind of it's kind of now I understand what you were looking for at around when you were trying to palpate the kidney three. So she came in. I I gave her one to two sessions, and her neuropathy in about fifty percent was gone was improved by about 50%. Uh, I actually wasn't needling too deep. I was actually just putting press stacks on the areas. And for about, she said for about three weeks that she was feeling great in the feet. And that was like 
And after that, just the neuropathy went less and le less and then less and then less. And that was just with this idea of the ankle area of uh, Yamamoto. So that's one, that's an amazing story for me. So today that's one of the points that I use very well for neuropathy and actually gives very, very good results uh, in that case. That's incredible. Especially something that had been bothering her for so long. Yeah. So, and she, every now and then she comes back, it kind of appears again, but not as severe as it was. So she, her quality of life's improved. That's what's and with the with the press tax that you gave her, were you actually adhesing those, ad, using adhesive to leave those in? Or was it just during the clinical session? No, no, I, to leave them in. I left her for about every time a week. Okay. I was using the, the Pionex of Syrian. Yep. Not to do advertisement, but I found that they're very, very useful. And they were doing an excellent job. Great. Tell me a bit about Dr. Yamamoto. He sounds like an interesting character who's coming I, up with new ideas or exploring old ideas for modern day uses. Yeah. Uh, I have an, uh, I've, uh, I think the last time I attended a seminar of Dr. Yamamoto was in, uh, 2012. So that means about nine years, but, and I only had about two encounters with him in his seminars, but, uh, first of all, his system is very, very useful. And he's, uh, today, I think he, Last in the end of April, last April, he actually retired from clinical practice. Uh, so he has his daughter actually that's continuing his work. But he's a, I like to say Yamamoto's always thinks out of the box. And sometimes his system is so easy. I, before I went, I went to flew to Japan to study from him. I knew the system already. And <clears throat> And his system is very, very easy, but you, you encounter someone who is kind of always trying to think out of the box. Like for example, uh, he could start using the balance method with his method, his scalp acupuncture method. Like he has an area of the hand and then you'll needle that area of the hand for a problem in the foot. You say, why did you needle that area for the hand for the foot? So, oh, hand, foot, same, same. And he's always trying, he was always trying to discover new ways and new methods to treat his patients where I've seen a lot of masters or a lot of uh, teachers of mine, and I've learned a lot from them, but I've never seen someone in about five minutes when a patient walks into his clinic in Chinese medicine, they always say, try to meet the patient Shen by Shen at the Shen level and communicate at that level. And I've seen him do it in five minutes. In five minutes, he gets all the information he needs. The patients, it seems like the patients just love him. Uh, his characteristics, he's always smiling, always laughing, always happy. You'll never hear him the word say, I can't help this patient. You always try. It's like you always say, try, try again. If you first, first don't succeed, then try, try again. In the end, you will manage. Uh, but his idea is if this doesn't work, this might work. This let's work in this system. And he always says that his system is so easy, was so easy. I mean, he said, I, I'll try quote him. <laughs> he said, my system's so simple and so boring that I have to look for new uh, ideas of the system. 
and that's how I'll just get bored, bored of doing it. But what I like to say that Yamamoto always puts the patient in, in front of him. That's what's more important. Not, I didn't see very, very modest. I didn't see any ego. And what is important that the patient comes first. And also, <clears throat> only recently they started open a, a priority of YNSA and saying to certain instructors, uh, it's mainly Japanese priority of wine. But throughout all the years, uh, Yamamoto uh, kept saying that the more practitioners will know my system, more people will teach the system, more practitioners will know the system, and more patients will benefit from the from the system. So the end was the was the the patient, which was more important to him, and this whole sometimes this whole ego. So he's very very modest. Now in his in his life work, Dr. Yamamoto, he's a, he started, uh, started out as an anesthesiologist. In around the 1960s, he, started stum he stumbled onto, scalp onto acupuncture itself, and he started using acupuncture in his... Uh, he was always, the idea of acupuncture is always looking for new ways to manage pain on his patients and use less drugs as possible. Even when I when we were there, when he was sometimes injecting lidoka into the patient, he says, "I don't need it, but for insurance reasons, I have to do it because I'm a doctor and I run a hospital and I run a clinic and I run a etc. an old age home." But always uh, he was looking for new ways to apply acupuncture, and he done over about 2,000 operations where acupuncture was used in a general anesthesia body acupuncture in, in, in that case. And then in the 1970s, when scalp acupuncture first came out, then he started uh, using scalp acupuncture in his clinic. He said it took him about a year ready to specialize and get the results which he uh, was using. And then uh, he said that when, like I said, you have the homunculus areas and you're looking for the sensory in the motor area, and when a patient walked into that he was treating a patient and looking for a certain area on the scalp, he actually palpated by mistake. His finger was located in the temporal region. And by pressing down in that temporal region, the patient actually felt that he had instant re relief in his shoulder. And then you know, that was actually what would become Yamamoto's first point, which he found and discovered in his microsystem, which will be the C point, which will be known as that. And from that, it actually, what I want to see, say that he had that C point and then when he went into the Chinese textures he actually found a point you have a do 24 and do 24 is also like the head so he said okay if I have do 24 which is the head I have an area in the area of the temporal region upper temporal region which is the area of the hand or the shoulder and if I just go right down throughout the hairline I might be found in the area of the lumbar spine thoracic spine and etc what I want to say that this is like thinking really out of the box and saying, okay, this this point does this. Let's start looking for the microsystems. And this is this has been his life work, always looking for new areas and uh, trying to uh, develop his system even more. But at the same time, keep it very very simple. And in his life work as well, he has a hospital, which actually is uh, being run by his daughter. She's also MD. 
and you have the acupuncture YNSA is being practiced. He has a rehabilitational clinic where he made me there. He actually used to run between the two, then an hour apart from each other. He also has an old age home there right by him. Uh, he's an amazing guy. Uh, I do remember one of the stories that he told us that actually Yamamoto is in Miyazaki, South Japan, on an island there, Aoishima. And he actually, where his clinic is located, is in an, area, in an area where there's a lot of nature around him. And actually, he once had an idea. In the past, he wanted to open an international school of acupuncture there from and bring knowledge from all the world of all these acupuncture methods and accumulate it there so everyone can learn from each other. So this is, it kind of fell through due to, I uh, didn't really understand why it fell through, but it fell through uh, political reasons, I think. But this was his idea, and so he's very, very open-minded. I like to say he's not a, he's not a normal um, medical doctor. Yeah, he sounds fascinating. Yeah. I love, too, the approach to using acupuncture as a general anesthetic, and it's such a foreign concept to probably medical practice in the West, but I've personally seen it done in China for a cesarean section. I've actually used it personally on myself for some dental work that my brother, who's a dentist, was doing on me, and he wanted to give me a general anesthetic. And I'm like, no, no, let's just try this. And he was really reluctant to. He didn't want me to, <laughs> to move while he was doing the drilling and either hurt myself or hurt him. And the results were incredible of what I had done just by needling Hugo on my hand personally. And I was able to endure a, a, a procedure that he did not think that I would be able to. So using <laughs> it, using the acupuncture for general anesthetic is, it's just incredible. The results that people can get from that. And then the recovery time is so greatly enhanced because there are no drugs in the system to interfere with the healing. Yep. For you personally, David, how did you get interested in acupuncture in the first place and then also more deeply involved in the scalp acupuncture? I actually wanted to study anthropology. I never wanted to, I never wanted to find myself. Uh, as a kid, I was always interested in med medicine or biology, mainly medicine and all that, uh, and how the body functions and how the body works. And uh, actually, is growing up with uh, a kid with a learning disability uh, or dyslexia in those times, looking about uh, over uh, 30 years ago. So I actually, this followed me my whole life. And when I got to my uh, older life, way, okay, when you choose what degree you want. So I even, I even never ever thought of going to medical school, even even trying or applying for medical school. And uh, like I said. Oriental medicine was interesting for me. Actually, anthropology, I was very, very interested in cultures. And uh, after my military service here, I went, I, I went traveling. And uh, when I was traveling, I, when I was crossing the I was traveling, uh, traveled to India, uh, China, India, Mongolia, Southeast Asia. But it started out that when I was traveling to uh, actually to China and I was crossing the border from back from Mongolia, actually back to China, 
to go back to Thailand, I actually encountered uh, eating a bad egg, a rotten egg. And for about a couple of months, I was traveling for about a year and a half. And for about five months, I had my, I had a very bad, uh, st like stomach flu. I was every running to the toilet. For five months. Five months. I had some problem, like I had something wrong with my stomach. Every, every once a week, twice a week, it used to attack me. Wow. And that you think was related to a rotten egg? Yeah, because up to then I was fine. Wow. That must have been a pretty rotten egg. <laughs> this hard boiled rotten egg, I was so hungry, but I knew <laughs> oh, that's it disgusting. was from that. <laughs> and uh -oh. I remember for the, because after that rotten egg for about three days, uh, four days, I was lying in the guest house in the hotel and I was could not move and run to the toilet the whole time. Now, when I came, got to Thailand, after, uh, so I traveled uh, Cambodia, Laos, and then at some stage I got back to Thailand. And uh, actually there I was actually, I bumped into a, a Thai remedy of herbs that uh, someone recommended for me there, one of the healers there. And actually it stopped this, uh, it stopped, the, my stomach was fine after that for about a week. It took this remedy. And I felt excellent. It was gone. And I said, wow, this, there's something in this medicine. And like I said, I was always, I was always in the idea that I'm going to go back to Israel and go study anthropology. And actually, from Thailand, I flew to India. And then I, I was traveling in India. In India, I never got one day. I never had any uh, digestive uh, problems. And uh, traveling to India, I actually started meeting up with a lot of anthropologists. They were traveling and culture and I started speaking to them because I wanted to see if it really interested me and just reading books and all that. And they said to me, anthropology is a whole, it's a, a big term. You got to see what specifically you want to do in anthropology. I said, okay, anthropology sounds great. Let me medicine. If I want to do anthropology, I'll go study the, the field of oriental medicine. And actually, in the when I was traveling in India, I bumped, I started uh, getting into Ayurvedic medicine. Ayurvedic medicine. I remember I went to an Ayurvedic uh, practitioner that actually was doing. A, uh, I was traveling for girlfriend there, and she was very interested, and she, she wanted to go have a treatment. So I said, "Okay, I'll go. I'll join you in that. No problems." And actually, he said, "Here, let me take your pulse." And he took my pulse, and I was amazed. I was just. He didn't ask me any questions and he said, you have this, you have this, you have this, you have this, and he says, all that from the pulse. And he was correct, 100% correct. And I was astonished by that. And I was getting more into this oriental medicine uh, idea or more, more of this herbal uh, lifestyle. And when I flew back to Israel, I actually started looking up and said, okay, I think I want to study Ayurvedic medicine. And in Israel, there were no schools for Ayurvedic medicine. And my option was to fly to India for about six years and study in India and uh, study in India. Now, like I said, I'm, I had my reading disorders, disabilities. They said now to fly to, even though I'm, uh, my parents are Anglo-Saxon, and I, I grew up in an Anglo-Saxon community, I still had a problem of reading. I said, I'm going to go fly to India, read British English, no way I'm going to survive that. 
And the next idea was, okay, there's Chinese medicine in Israel. So let's I'll say, okay, okay, I'll study Chinese medicine. I'll finish my first four years, I'll finish my four years of Chinese medicine, then I'll go study anthropology. And that was it. I got, I got hooked on Chinese medicine. Actually, I was more interested in herbal medicine, but with the time that came, I become more interested in acupuncture. Let, I, less with the, I, I'm familiar with the herbal medicine, but I use it less in my clinic. I use mainly patent formulas. I have uh, other colleagues that I can uh, communicate with about herbal medicine. And that was acupuncture. So I was hooked on acupuncture. And the way I came into neurology, it always interests me uh, the nerve system. And uh, when I finished my studies of acupuncture, I studied stems and branches, five element uh, schools. That was the, where I came from. And, uh, and the first clinic patients, they were coming into my clinic with patients that were suffering from pain. That was the, their complaint. And I found very, very difficult, difficult taking this theory of uh, stems and branches and five elements and put it into a practice with treating pain. And I was using a lot of Twina in the, on those patients at that time. So I had a teacher that I decided by the name of Noam Baumatz, where I, he was working in a rehabilitation hospital as well in acupuncture and asked him if I can be his assistant. And actually there I worked as an assistant and he was doing body acupuncture. And then one day, uh, another practitioner by the name of Gil stumbled into the clinic, to that hospital, to treat an uh, intern uh, patient that had a car accident. And I don't know, Noam and this Gil knew each other, so Noam asked the Gil if he can treat the patient that has stroke. And Gil, uh, after about putting two needles in, like this patient that had a had a stroke, he could not move his hand, not more than a centimeter above the table. After putting two needles, he could do this. I was, wow, this is it. I want to learn this. And uh, that's how I, I learned from Gil. I, we worked, I, I organized a course that Gil taught this uh, YNSA in the course. I learned from him. Then I just tagged along as his assistant in courses afterwards. And then I flew to Japan and that was it. I was hooked on scalp acupuncture and neurological disorders at that time. And mainly I found myself more a lot of times hooked on rehabilitation because a lot of times when you have the uh, terminology or rehabilitation, you have, uh, you have the uh, of uh, neurological rehabilitation, you, you function with the whole body as one unit. When you, when uh, I've always, also the doctors that I work with, they kind of, it's not like I'm a hand specialist. I have to see how the whole body functions as one unit. And if the patient has a, a, a problem in his intestines, it's gonna affect the musculoskeletal system. And this whole idea of how the body functions as one unit was astounding for me. And that's why I was actually more hipped on rehabilitation or acupuncture, because you have to look at the whole system as one unit and less as like the nerve system, less as the blood system, less as a digestive system. In the end, you have to combine all those systems together. And that's what, what I was ma mainly hooked on. Yeah. When it comes to rehabilitation, a lot of these neuropathies, such as stroke, are a result of lacks of oxygen. Do you 
do any sort of Chinese exercises, qigong or tai chi with your patients to help them improve their oxygenation and heal that way? Uh, a lot of times I recommend uh, doing uh, a lot of qigong, like, uh, or yoga. I also uh, believe in uh, patients that can do yoga, I a lot of times recommend yoga. One of the reasons is because I have a, in my clinic an amazing yoga teacher. He's also a Chinese medicine practitioner. But uh, the only time that I a lot of times recommend Qigong or Tai Chi is when I'm having uh, proprioceptive disorders or uh, manier disorders. That's when I recommend the patient to do more uh, Tai Chi. All those round movements help them stabilize themselves. Or a lot of times with Parkinson's patients, I prefer them to do Qigong or Tai Chi more than doing yoga with those of Parkinson's patients. The idea of having to do these movements and these breathing with the movements has a, a lot better, I found a lot better effect than doing yoga. The patients with like back pain or uh, uh, prostrous problems, and a lot of times I just send them, I recommend them for the, to do yoga or something like that, or even Pilates. David, tell us a bit about the new book, the clinical handbook of Yamamoto New Scalp Acupuncture. So, uh, actually, this book started out. Uh, there's a lot of books in uh, of Yamamoto Scalp Acupuncture, and you have Yamamoto's books. Now, Yamamoto's books very clinical. There's not a lot much theory in the in the in the book, and it's a lot of there's a lot of times in a lot of the books that I've read, there were less, there was less, uh, what I mean, less theory, there was less explanation where the points are located and how to locate the points. And that was the idea when I was coming in to write the book, what I wanted to make the book different from other books was to explain how to locate the points, how you can found the acupuncture points very easily, and then it'll be easier for you to palpate and know what you feel. And so that was one objective which I had in the book. Uh, when I was writing another objective that I had in the book was there's a lot of uh, contradictions in the system and you know where to use one, one, how to use one thing. So I wanted to put everything like you were, uh, like I was feeding you, like you were standing in front of me and I was telling you what to do step by step by step by step. So everything, everything is backed up with a clinical, with a case. And I said, okay, this is your case. You do one, you do two, you do three, you do four, and you see, and you see the outcome of the patient. So that was another thing that was missing. What I found that was missing in all the other books that were written. Uh, so that was the idea. It was actually the idea of giving this book was actually like uh, writing something in a manner that, like you had a workshop. And you, if you have any questions, just open the page and it's explained there very well. And the great, I was actually, when I, in the process of writing the book, actually, when I started writing the book, I thought, oh, one month I'm finished. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be very, very simple. And I remember when uh, Singing Dragon approached me to write, they didn't approach me to write a book. They approached me to write an article. And that time I had a handout of my seminars, I said, well, I have my seminar, my handouts. I think this could be a book. 
it's uh, just another 15 percent got to add on and that's it and the editor claire asked me to send it into her so i sent her into her she said okay do you want to write the book for us <laughs> i said yes three months like i said three months i'm over and with this uh with the writing and the, again the dyslexia is, that goes back to this uh the fear of writing it i said how am i going to write the book me write the book i uh, think so my dad said to me I will, uh, my father uh, comes from uh, his academic. He was working, uh, he was a teacher in one of the medical uh, schools here in Israel, pharmacology. And when he retired, he became, became an editor of uh, scientific uh, articles. Or, uh, so he said to me, look, you want, I can be your, uh, what's the word? The silent uh, author. Mm, okay. Uh, you give me the information, I'll edit all for you. In the end, it didn't work because I had to write the book. But the great experience where I was doing this for my father, with my father for about over two years. So first of all, I wrote everything. And for about two years, I was back and forth with my father. And because my father wasn't, he didn't come from the field of acupuncture. He actually, it was actually great working with him because I had to explain to him. And he said, okay, now what you explain to me, you have to explain to the pe- to the person in front of you with as less details as possible so it's very, very clear and understandable. So just for an example, I wrote down in the book this, if you want to palpate a point up to one kilograms pressure. So my And I said, my dad said to me, how's someone going to know what one kilograms pressure is? <laughs> he said, well, you take a scale and you press on it. So he said, so you write that. That's what you got to write. You can't, you got to take into account that whoever reads your book has, is, is got no, is ignorant. And that's what you, your st- starting point is. So when I finished writing the book, I think I came to a situation that my father knew already, scalp, apricontral, ever put it, inserting a needle to a patient. He knows where the, when it came to the proof writing in the end, the second stage of the proof writing, he said, just give me the book. I'll do it for you. So, because he knew the he knew the method already without me just by writing it back and forth back and forth, so that was an amazing experience, and to bring it also improved my English, improved my way of how I can teach in an easier and better manner. So that was a a great great experience. I think I was given before that I was given seminars and healthy seminars. And uh, Lauren Brown, I met one of the conferences, said to me, she, or he heard me lecture, he said, gee, your English has improved since uh, <laughs> I first met you in the, in the seminars. So it's all the, that's thanks to the book. What a great journey to have your dad there alongside you. Yeah. It must have been so special. Yeah. And when he criticizes, he really criticizes. <laughs> <laughs> Those closest to us sure know how to do that best, don't they? Yeah. What's the reception been like for the book, David? Actually, in the first, understood in the first months, it sold about close to 450 copies in about two months. So that would, if that was, a, if, did I understand that question correctly? Yeah, not even the sales necessarily, but just the feedback you've been receiving I mean, from receiving, the book. I've been receiving actually great feedback from the book. That's great. Even the people that the copies also for, uh, that have read it, I always get an email. Wow, amazing! Thank you very much. 
it's like finally I can understand the system. But like I said, it's my interpretation of the system. That's also important to say. It's my spicing mm-hmm. of the system itself. Now you reached out to me most recently about hopefully presenting at the college in the fall, which I don't know if we're going to be able to have on-site presenters at Pacific Rim College from internationally this fall. We'll see what happens. I would love to have you. Did you present at the college a number of years ago? I know you reached out to me and I'm not sure if. Yeah, we about over, well, I think it was in 2017. Okay. We, uh, I think I was in, I don't remember. Uh, I think it was you I was in contact and we had a seminar there. You did have one. Okay. Sorry yeah, about that. I, I just didn't remember specifically if you'd come or not. At, no, actually, I don't. I, no, I was in contact with someone else. I don't remember uh, the name. But in 2017, I uh, reached out and we gave a seminar, which was actually, uh, I think, uh, very good feedback we received from that seminar. And I think when I reached out again, Every time it missed out, something with my times tables changed and never worked out. And then we got COVID. Yeah. Uh, now we started, uh, and then we, I found myself very, very busy in Europe. But now we decided to start uh, branching back out to North America. And uh, so we decided to reach out again. Great. We really, really much, first of all, you have an amazing college. Thank you. Uh, college of Pacific Rim, I would say it's one of the top colleges that I've uh, organized. The renovation there, it's amazing. We Thank were, you so much uh, for that. A really, really beautiful place. Also, Victoria is beautiful. Is that, and, uh, we always say when we were in Victoria, even the homeless people here are happy <laughs> <laughs> and smiling. <laughs> Well, I hope we can have you back. If not this year, we'll certainly try to figure something out once travels opened up a bit more. Yeah. No, it's funny because here in Israel, everything's like normal already. Really? So like here our rates, we don't have any severe and there's no new, we have maybe 15 new uh, people that are diagnosed with COVID a day. So like, here it's like when I started reaching out, I forgot that the world's still uh, dealing with this COVID. Yeah, well, I think every country certainly is handling it different, and uh, it's, well, we won't go down the road of that because that's another nope. discussion. But uh, Canada, yeah, I'm still pretty tightly locked down. So, but we'll figure yeah, it out. We all, all are safe, and we all come out of it in the world uh, to a normal life again. Yeah. David, where can people learn more about you and your clinical practice, your work, your book, etc.? So, first of all, you can go to the website, which is, I can type it for you if you want in the chat. And then, Pnima, just write the uh, internet, uh, just write Pnima, which is P E N I M A, which means inner, Pnima Center. And I'm sure you can get to us. And okay. Locate us and get our information and have follow my work. Also, a lot on YouTube. Just write up my name. Have a lot of information that we uploaded to YouTube. Like I said, we try to follow the idea of giving 
like I said, in the end, we want to think about the patient. So we try to give as much information as possible and whatever is available to teach very easily. So I have a lot of information on YouTube as well. Every now and then as I, on Facebook, I just pronounce a free webinar for about an hour or 30 minutes talk on some subject. So you can always follow up there. Great. And you can email me, contact me. It's also not a problem. Okay. Just my, uh, my, my, my mail is just David Bomson, one word, my, my name plus my surname at Gmail. So if anyone has any questions, they can feel comfortable to just contact me directly. Okay, great. Well, try I'll, put, I'll put all of that in the show notes. If you can send me any of the links that you want me to feature, I'll make sure I put them in the show notes so people can get directly yeah, just, to, uh, to the Panema Center and your YouTube and whatnot. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to do this and for, again, reaching out to me to reconnect. It's well, been thank a you, very interesting conversation, and I'm sure it's going to pique a lot of curious minds when it comes to scalp acupuncture. So I think you'll probably be hearing from some people who want to learn more, and we'll be okay. hearing requests from people who want you to come to the college to present again. Yeah, we so. hope to come. Meet you in person, not only on Facebook, on uh, email and uh, Zoom. Yeah, it sounds good. Well, thanks Bye. again, David. Congratulations you, on on the book and on your successes as a practitioner. Thank you very much. Have a good day. Keep safe, all of you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Pacific Rim College Radio with David Bomson. For more about David, his clinical practice, and writing, please visit the website or the Panema Center at panema-ac.com. That's P-N-I-M-A-A-C.com. There you can link to his book, Clinical Handbook of Yamamoto New Scalp Acupuncture, published by Singing Dragon. If you are interested in studying Chinese medicine, the School of Acupuncture and Chinese Medicine at Pacific Rim College offers world-renowned, multi-year programs, including world's first study options combining acupuncture with Western herbal medicine and holistic nutrition. Visit PacificRimCollege.com to learn more. Also, don't forget to check out our online education in Chinese medicine by exploring the amazing course offerings at PacificRimCollege.online, including many courses featuring other guests of this podcast. Sign up for our newsletter to receive special offers on our newest releases. If you are interested in receiving clinical services in holistic nutrition, herbal medicine, and acupuncture in Chinese medicine, the student clinic at PRC provides more than 7,000 annual treatments. Live holistic nutrition and herbal medicine consultations are both available online, while acupuncture and Chinese medicine treatments can be had at our Victoria campus. Free treatment options are available in all areas. Visit the student clinic at pacificramcollege.com for more information and to book your appointment. If you enjoyed this podcast, share it with your friends and family and give it a five-star rating on whatever podcast app you are using. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, to find healing for neurological conditions, use your head.